I first came to Woody Guthrie by way of Bob Dylan. I wonder if that's true for anybody else. Regarding Guthrie's influence on him, Dylan said, you could listen to his songs and actually learn how to live and live well, right? The two singer-songwriters only met once. In 1961, when Dylan was 19 years old, he visited Guthrie in the hospital. Guthrie was 48 years old and receiving treatments for the neurodegenerative disease um, Huntington's, symptoms from Huntington's disease, which he inherited from his mother. Two years later, in 1963, at the end of a concert in New York, Dylan returned to the stage for an encore and did something he only did that one time. He's never repeated this before publicly, Uh, although there is a recording that's widely available. Dylan said that he had been asked to contribute to a forthcoming book about his idol, and the editors asked him, what does Woody Guthrie mean to you in 25 words? And Dylan said, I just couldn't do it. I can't distill Guthrie's impact on me into 25 words. He said, I wrote out five pages. He then launched into a remarkable seven-minute-long spoken word poem titled Last Thoughts on Woody Guthrie. That full poem um, is more than 1,700 words long. So I will share with you only the two final stanzas. But even this snippet, I think, will give you a sense of what Woody Guthrie was trying to point to when he said that Woody Guthrie's songs could actually teach you to learn how to live. Dylan said, And where do you look for this hope that you're seeking? Where do you look for this lamp that's a-burning? Where do you look for this oil well gushing? Where do you look for this candle that's a-glowing? Where do you look for this hope that you know is there, out there, somewhere. And your feet can only walk down two kinds of roads, and your eyes can only look through two kinds of windows, and your nose can only smell two kinds of hallways. You can touch and twist and turn two kinds of doorknobs. You can either go to the church of your choice, or you can go to Brooklyn State Hospital. You'll find God in the church of your choice, and you'll find Woody Guthrie in Brooklyn State Hospital. And although I know it's only my opinion, I may be right or wrong, You'll find them both in the Grand Canyon at sundown. Woody Guthrie died four years later in 1967 at the age of 55, but in his short life he wrote more than 3,000 songs. He had a profound influence not only on Dylan, but on other musicians. Uh, Catherine spoke a little bit about this in the Spoken Meditation, but Pete Seeger, John Lennon, Andy DeFranco, Steve Earle, Roseanne Cash, so many others all spoke of how Woody Guthrie was a profound influence on them. One of the reasons for Guthrie's lasting influence was his commitment to writing songs that call us to be part of something bigger than ourselves that call us to join together, to build the world we dream about, and to turn our dreams into deeds. There's an iconic poster of Woody Guthrie you may have seen. It can be spotted on many a dorm wall in college, on the walls of various social justice organizations. As I read the words emblazoned on that poster, I want you to, you may be able to hear some of the intonations, some of the rhythm that inspired Dylan's poem. Dylan was sort of imitating Guthrie in that spoken word piece. Guthrie said, I hate a song that makes you think you're not any good. I hate a song that makes you think that you're just born to lose, bound to lose. No good for nobody, no good for nothing, because you're too old, too young, too fat, too slim, too ugly, too this, too that. Songs that run you down or poke fun at you on account of your bad luck, 
or you're hard traveling. I'm out to fight those songs with my, to my very last breath of air, to my last drop of blood. The original context of that quote continues. I'm out to sing songs that will prove to you that this is your world. This is your world. And if that has hit you pretty hard and knocked you down for a dozen loops, no matter what color, what size you are, how you are built, I am out to sing the songs that will make you take pride in yourself and pride in your work. And the songs I sing are made up for the most part by all sorts of folks just like you. That was his inspiration for these songs, was traveling around the country, collecting and writing folk songs. It's one more important earlier passage from that original text, the sort of the larger context of the, the piece uh, on that poster. Guthrie said, I don't sing any songs that are not real. I don't sing any silly or jerky songs, nor any songs that make fun of your color, make fun of your race, your eyes, the shape of your stomach, or the shape of your nose. Keep in mind, this was Guthrie's public stance on racial justice in 1944, a decade before the Civil Rights Movement. Guthrie was acutely aware in his own time, as we have witnessed play out in our own country and around the world, that economic anxieties, that xenophobia and racism and more can combine to make people vulnerable to the false promises of demagogues. At worst, demagoguery can devolve into authoritarianism and even fascism. Guthrie wrote that fascism would like for you to weep and hang your head and cry and get so mixed up in your thinking that you walk into one of its own fascist churches looking for some kind of personal salvation. And as you can see on the cover of your order of service, Guthrie inscribed in all capital letters right there on his guitar, this machine kills fascists. In our postlude, we hear a song along those lines that includes these lyrics. I'm going to tell you fascists, you may be surprised. The people in this world are getting organized. You're bound to lose. You fascists, bound to lose. Guthrie believed in the power of music to bring people together on the other side of despair. He was driven by a deep concern but for working and poor people's emotional well-being. He really had that at heart, and he used his music to embolden individuals to claim their inherent worth and dignity, inspire them to join in coalition to build a better world that works for all, not merely for an elite few. It's also important to be honest that for those of you who knew him best, this towering social justice figure could be hard to live with. He was married three times, he cheated repeatedly and quite publicly and flagrantly on his marriage vows, and as Pete Seeger once said about Woody Guthrie, I can't stand him when he's around, but I miss him when he's gone. <laughs> that has some real, how can I miss you if you won't go away energy, you know? <laughs> this dynamic connects back to our exploration last week that we imperfect human beings can be phenomenally advanced and gifted in some areas of development while being underdeveloped in other areas. Multiple things can be true. In the words of Woody Guthrie's biographer, we need him not as an icon, but as a complicated, uncategorizable thinker who can help us imagine how a more just world to come might feel and how it might feel much better than the anxieties of this one. I was inspired to plan this sermon when our UUA-owned Beacon Press published a book titled Woody Guthrie, An Intimate Life by Gustavius Stadler, an English professor at Haverford College. 
It's an interesting and accessible book, although in the spirit of full disclosure, I will warn you that there was, for me, quite a bit more about Woody Guthrie's sex life than I really needed to know. Uh, Your mileage may vary. Maybe that's a value add for you, in which case it's right there in that book. Uh, I also learned a lot from another book titled Bring Your Own God, The Spirituality of Woody Guthrie by my colleague, the Reverend Stephen Eddington, who is Minister Emeritus at one of our UU congregations in New Hampshire. So those are two good starting points if the sermon leaves you curious to learn more. If Woody Guthrie is known best for one thing, it's what Nicole was talking about in her story and the music she shared with us. It is that he wrote the song, This Land is Your Land. He had grown tired, as Nicole said, of hearing performances of Irving Berlin's God Bless America, which he judged to be a bloated, supercilious proclamation of nationalism. To give people options about what to sing about the full range of feelings involved with trying to love America, he wrote this alternative anthem about traveling the continent and witnessing its beauty, but also its despair and also its exploitation. And if you read, as Nicole was talking about, all the lyrics to This Land is Your Land, there's some radical stuff in there. Some of you may recall that in 2008, as part of President Obama's uh, inauguration, Pete Seeger just did just that in front of the new president. He sang every single verse of This Land is Your Land. Most notably, as Nicole said, there's a verse in which Guthrie stumbles upon a sign that says private property, and I'll share with you a little variation of that verse that's different than what Nicole said. In response, he sings to that sign that says private property. On the other side, it didn't say nothing. That side was made for you and me, right? The side without any restrictions around private property. Oh, I just didn't see that, right? Guthrie might have said, This land in your land is is your land is arguably a significant improvement over God bless America. I mean, can we at least say God bless the people of every nation? As the bumper sticker says, I love my country, but we need to start seeing other people, right? (laughs) It is, however, also important to add that the indigenous people's uh, rights movement has also made us aware that Guthrie's song needs to be decolonized. A statement from the Cherokee Nation says, This land omits mention of the U.S. government's policies that dispossess tribes across the United States of their original homeland. There are even versions of the Cherokee Youth Choir singing, This land is your land in Cherokee. We have to keep widening our circles of compassion. In this time, in his time, Guthrie helped us widen our circles of inclusion. Uh, And I think he did that in This Land is Your Land. But in our own time, we need to keep widening as our social conscience, as our multicultural awareness continues to evolve and expand. If Woody Guthrie is known for a second thing, it's being a labor rights activist. Indeed, he has a song called Unions My Religion. Some of the lyrics go like this. When I see my union vision, then I made a quick decision. Yes, that union's my religion. That I know. Or in a similar song titled Good Old Union Feeling, he's saying, Have you ever felt that union feeling in your soul? Have you ever felt that union feeling in your soul? Have you ever felt that union feeling in your soul? It's wrote down in the book of ages and it's carved in solid rock. It's that good old union feeling in your soul. He deeply believed in workers coming together to advocate for themselves through collective action. Again, connecting to something larger than yourself. That if you're feeling overwhelmed as one person, stop being one person, right? Join networks. We're stronger together. In Guthrie's words, one of the worst things about capitalist society is that it teaches us to go it alone, to get independent, 
to hit the top and retire early and to not waste our money or time socializing or unionizing and thinking and planning in the good union way. This thing of unionism, he said, is the only lure and bait that any religion has really held out for anybody, and their best slogan has always been, love your neighbor. Work and think and plan along with your fellow worker. The best part, he said, about the union hall is it teaches you how to be free to think and hear and talk that you are some good to somebody. You are some use to someone else, some help to the people around the world. He said a sweetheart can tell you this, but a fellow union member can too. But if you don't hear it sung and talked and danced and acted and spoken over and over and over, you can get to thinking you don't count for much. And I love that Guthrie here is making an explicit connection between the work of union solidarity uh, and religion, that at their best, they function similarly. It's part of why we come here to UUCF each week, either in person or online, to be reminded by one another that we do have inherent worth and dignity. And as you've heard me say before, our human rights, they are inalienable. They cannot be made alien to us, but they are not inevitable right? We need to be reminded. We need to work for them and protect them. We need to, be, to come together to plan how we can act in solidarity across our differences to build beloved community. And although Guthrie is best known for This Land is Your Land and for being a labor activist, he also wrote numerous songs about racial justice. He also spoke out publicly against the cruel and unjust Japanese internment camps in this country during World War II. Related to racial justice, you'll have a chance in just a few minutes to hear the Bromfields perform a song that Guthrie wrote in 1951 titled Old Man Trump. At that point, our 45th president was around five years old. It is not about him. It turns out that Donald's father, Fred Trump, was Woody Guthrie's landlord for a time while he lived in Brooklyn, New York. It was an apartment complex called Beach Haven. So when you hear Beach Haven in that song, you'll know that that's what that's talking about. Guthrie came to notice over time, wait a second. Every single occupant of this building is white. What's up with that? He dug a little, did a little deeper and found there was actually a whites-only policy. So Guthrie wrote this song, Old Man Trump, to support the movement that eventually succeeded in overturning this discriminatory segregationist um, rental policy. Not in South Carolina, where I'm from, but in New York, right? Racism is all over the place. As I move toward my conclusion, I want to highlight a few pieces about one other lesser-known aspect of Guthrie, his progressive spirituality. When he was a child, his family was not part of any formal religion, but he does have a number of songs that emphasize the ways that Jesus rightly understood can be a powerful inspiration for the poor to demand a more just economic system. I'm also unaware of any formal connection to Unitarianism or to Universalism, but I do see him as one among many exemplars of what we call our UU second source. We have six sources that we draw from, and the second one is the words and deeds of prophetic people which challenge us to confront powers and structures of evil with justice, compassion, and the transforming power of love. And I certainly think Guthrie did that. And there are many Woody Guthrie quotes that feel very UU. For instance, he said, I am a master and student of all faiths and all creeds, seeing the same general spiritual feelings and ideas present in them that is always living in the oneness of the human race, its blending and its mixtures of all colors and all kinds. And for him, there really was a religious component to union activism. He saw 
the whole universe, really, that way. It was sort of his cosmology, his metaphysics. In his words, the universe is a great symphony, a great union, he said. And the stars, the planets, the earth, and, the, and us people were just one great dance. I simply believe, he said, in monounionism, in one big union that includes all people and all things. It's pretty Hindu, actually, in a lot of ways. In another very UU move toward the end of his life when he was suffering from hunting disease, when that was nearing its height, instead of limiting himself to the Christian Bible from 2,000 years ago, again, in a very UU move, he just wrote his own scripture. He called it, quote, my Bible. The full version is 23 pages. I will not read that to you. Uh, I'll give you just a few representative excerpts. He said, you know, what, what my beliefs tell me, he said, what, what my Bible tells me is how it is that love is all. My Bible tells me how it is that my soul is so big that it can't ever, ever, ever get lost. My Bible tells me I must bear up and try my best to carry on. My Bible makes me love you instead of hating you. My Bible makes me treat you good in place of bad. My Bible makes me love peace. My Bible makes me try to hold on and try to live all I can, even when my pains and my sorrows and my miseries all try to make my living worse than death. My Bible heals me now and here. My Bible keeps me wise and always. My Bible sings me the ballad of truth. My Bible sings to me out of all ages. And although Woody Guthrie is no longer with us, his songs, his life, his art, including he's also a visual artist, remain as a legacy to help us imagine how a more just world to come might feel. Woody Guthrie had a lot of heart. As we continue to discern how the legacy of Woody Guthrie can inspire our ongoing work to join together to co-create a better world, let's rise and body your spirit. Let's sing together. We are building a new way.